We started March, Mark in March of 2015, so it's been close to 20 months, and uh, I have been really blessed by uh, this gospel. You know, when we started it, it's a gospel that I was interested in studying because it seemed to carry this sort of inferiority to it compared to the other gospels. You know, when you read commentaries and stuff, they'll often footnote or reference John or Matthew or Luke, but it just seemed like Mark got the short end of the stick a lot. So that was one reason I was so interested in, in studying it and have enjoyed it so much. But it's really not an inferior gospel. It's really amazing uh, account of Jesus's life. And I wanted to um, just use today as an opportunity to summarize Mark and really emphasize the main, primary, dominant theme, which is Jesus is the suffering servant for us. And the title of the uh, lesson is actually taken from uh, D. Edmund Hebert's title for this section of Mark chapter 14 through 15 called The Self-Sacrifice of the Servant. And that section of Mark is what we're really going to get to eventually. That's sort of the primary text I will be you know, teaching from. It's really the climax of the whole book, pretty much the last two chapters, and we'll get there eventually. But before we get there, I just want to read for you uh, a, a quote from D. Edmund Hebert in his introduction to uh, his commentary. He says, The key to the understanding of Mark's portrayal is his deliberate contrast between the personal dignity of Jesus as the Son of God and the stark experiences of suffering and rejection which he voluntarily accepted. It's such a great one-sentence summary. So Mark deliberately, and, and I'm going to show you that today by reading large sections of the book, the stark contrast between his dignity, his kindness, his humanity, and the suffering that he underwent. The portrait contains a remarkable blend of matchless strength and amazing submission of the achievement of glorious victory through apparent defeat. I think it's a really nice summary for us. The, uh, the verse in Mark that is the theme of the book is Mark chapter 10, verse 45. We've read this a lot. For the Son of Man also came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's Mark 10, 45. You remember... Uh, the book of Mark is the shortest gospel, it's very colorful, it's very energetic, very fast-paced, lots of action words, and, you, and it just, when you read it, you tend to want to keep turning the pages. It's, it's so fast-paced and action-packed. Um, it's almost theatrical, actually. If, I don't want to use that word to belittle it, but it is, it tells a story, in my opinion, and, and a lot of other commentators, too, unlike the other Gospels, that it just really draws you in and is very dramatic. Um, you remember, Mark wrote his Gospel based on the accounts he received from Peter. He's probably not an eyewitness of Jesus. He may have been, but that just adds another level of color to it because I imagine it's sort of the way Peter talked, right? He, he was probably action-packed, go-getter kind of guy, and, and it seems like Mark picked up on that when he was probably hearing the stories from Peter by how exciting it was being with the Lord and, and how he suffered and then this, this dignity that he had. So that helps, I think, explain some of the way he wrote. 
So all that to say, uh, Mark was a book, I think, that was uniquely written to be heard. Okay? And the reason I say that is because when you consider that uh, the people, Mark, the audience he was looking at to, re- to hear this book were Romans. They were illiterate. Most of them, almost all of them were illiterate at that time. Most of them, outside the area where Jesus ministered in Rome, had never really heard of Jesus. They may not have ever heard of or knew much at all about Jewish traditions or the God of the Old Testament Bible, etc. So the people that were initially hearing this account would have been fresh. It would have been a completely new story to them. Many of them may have uh, worshipped you know, other gods and pagan gods and been interested in spiritual things, and so they're going to hear this for the first time, the story of, of Jesus, not knowing anything about uh, the background. And we had spent some time discussing why we know that's true based on what's written in here, the way that Mark interprets a lot of Roman words, he uses a lot of Latin phrases. Uh, it's pretty obvious he was writing to a, a Gentile Roman audience. So, for that reason, today, it's going to be a different study. Basically, I'm going to be reading, we did this once before, early on, I read all of chapter 1 for you in one, uh, one of our lessons, but today I'm just basically going to read large sections of select portions of Mark's Gospel, and I guess I'm challenging you, I know you have your Bibles all open, but you don't have to follow in your Bible. I'm going to try to go slow and, and uh, be clear. Just listen to the words and... Um, Imagine yourself as one of these Roman citizens who's never, ever heard, ever heard the story of Jesus before and don't know anything about Jewish history and see if it impresses you in a different kind of way. Uh, I'm actually going to read from the American Standard Version. And the reason I chose that was because uh, it has some of the old English in it, the these and the thous, and it just sort of adds a little, I don't know, color and it will slow me down. It forces me to read it slowly for you. Um, and the other reason is some of the words they, they use are just really neat and um, powerful and vivid. So I decided we'd read from that version. So if you do try to follow along, I don't imagine anyone has ASV version today. Do they? Oh, you do? Okay, great. Um, but uh, that's the version I'll be reading from. And just so you know, uh, the word straightway Straightway is the word they use for immediately. And as I, I went through this yesterday, I read the whole thing, and I kept saying straightway, straightway, and it seemed a little bit awkward. But I'll, I'll use that word because I think it is a neat word, and uh, you'll hear it a lot in, in today's reading. Uh, and the last thing I want to say is that, uh, so I have two weeks, right? So next week I'll be teaching on humility, which is... Uh, I think a, a compliment, of course, to what we're going to hear today is uh, Jesus' humility and our complete lack of humility when we compare it to Jesus. But that'll be next week's lesson, and I think today's reading will be a good preparation for that. Okay, so, again, Mark wants to capture your imagination. He wants you to hear a story. Uh, he wants to teach you about Jesus who is this God-man who came to earth, unlike anyone that has ever lived on earth. He performed miracles, he served the people, he was kind and compassionate, and then he's rejected and killed by the very people he served. 
And so he wants you to hear this great, the greatest story, really, that was ever told. And again, imagine you are a Roman, illiterate, never heard anything about Jesus before. Excuse me. And we'll start with chapter 1, verse 1. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be reading large sections. I'll sort of direct you when I switch from chapter to chapter. But starting in Mark 1.1. 1, 1. By the way, if I read this straight through, it's about 30 minutes. But I'll interrupt with some slight commentary. So we're going to be pushed right up to the end of the clock. So don't ask any questions. <laughs> so, but actually, write them down. Because I, I'm hoping, you'll, as you hear it, like, wow. Write down something, you, a thought you have or a comment you have or something that really struck you and so we can review it if we have time at the end or maybe next week. Okay. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Even as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ye ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came, who baptized in the wilderness, and preached the baptism of repentance unto remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the country of Judea, and all they of Jerusalem, and they were baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and had a leathern girdle about his loins, and did eat locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There cometh after me, He that is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I baptize you in water, but he shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens rent asunder, and as the Spirit as a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And straightway the Spirit driveth him forth into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now, after John was delivered up, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe in the gospel." And passing along by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they left the nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat, with the hired servants, and went after him. And they go into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority, and not as the scribes. And straightway there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus the Nazarene? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, tearing him 
and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching? With authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And the report of him went out straightway everywhere into all the region of Galilee round about. And straightway, when they were come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And straightway they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and raised her up. And the fever left her. And she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were sick and them that were possessed with demons. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick with divers diseases and cast out many demons. And he suffered not the demons to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, a great while before day, he rose up and went out and departed into a desert place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And they found him and say unto him, All are seeking thee. And he saith unto them, Let us go elsewhere into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For to this end came I forth. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And there cometh to him a leper, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And being moved with compassion, he stretched forth his hand and touched him. And saith unto him, I will, be thou made clean. And straightway the leprosy departed from him, and he was made clean. And he strictly charged him, and straightway sent him out. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing the things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to spread abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into a city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Chapter 2. And when he entered again into Capernaum after some days, it was noised that he was in the house. And many were gathered together, so that there was no longer room for them, no, not even about the door. And he spake the word unto them. And they come bringing unto him a man sick of the palsy, born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed whereon the sick of the palsy lay. And Jesus, seeing their faith, saith unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins are forgiven. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak? He blasphemeth. Who can forgive sins but one, even God? And straightway Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, saith unto them, Why ye reason, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins are forgiven? Or say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath authority on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. And he arose, 
and straightway took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. So that's the first opening section. It tells a pretty remarkable story of a man who is obviously from heaven, right? He works miracles, different from anybody else they have ever heard of or seen. He has authority over demons, authority in his teaching. He's kind to people. He touches a leper. No one of us should ever do that. Um, He's sociable. He loves people. He's a hard worker. There are crowds all about him. He can't even get alone to pray to the Father lest they're mobbing him. Uh, He talks to people. He eats with them. So, remarkable story in just those first one and a half chapters of this person, this God person, Jesus. And then as we read, if you read through the rest of the book, chapter 2, really all the way through 13, you see all kinds of other miracles that Jesus performs to people. More healings, more demons are cast out. Um, In chapter 3, I'm going to read that for you, several verses. He says, this is a story of the man with a withered hand. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there who had his hand withered. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man that had his hand withered, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they held their peace, because they want to kill him, right? And Jesus wants to do good. And when he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved at the hardening of their heart, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out, and straightway with the Herodians took counsel against him, how they might destroy him. That's a theme that starts a lot about here, and that builds more and more throughout the book. So you have this building, um, two different narratives really. Jesus, the healer, the lover of people. And then this um, group of leaders that are constantly wanting to undermine him and eventually they want to kill him. And as you read the book, I I had this image, especially when Tim was teaching in the last couple chapters, it's this storm that's building throughout the book. And it starts out like a little, you know, some clouds in the sky. And then as the chapters roll on, you just get bigger clouds. It gets darker and darker and darker as the chapters progress with the people all around him who want to kill him. And the climax is really in those last two chapters. Uh, And this is really their introduction here in Mark chapter 3. So as Jesus goes on, he he heals more people, casts out demons. I have to read for you Mark chapter 5. I'll read several chapters there. Starting at verse 1, they came to the other side of the sea, into the county of the Gerasenes. And when he was come out of the boat, straightway there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling in the tombs. And no man could any more bind him, no, not with a chain, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been rent asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. 
and no man had strength to tame him. And always, night and day, in the tombs and in the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And crying out with a loud voice, he saith, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by God, torment me not. For he said unto him, Come forth, thou unclean spirit, out of the man. And I won't read that for time, but we know the story. He cast the demons out of that man into the 2,000 swine who run headlong into the sea and they're all drowned. And the people are astonished. They're actually scared of Jesus at that point and they tell him to leave. But there's one person who wasn't scared of Jesus. That's the guy who had the demons cast out of him. And uh, Mark 5, verse 18, it says, And as he was entering the boat, he that had been possessed with demons besought him that he might be with him. And he suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go to thy house unto thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and how he had mercy on thee. And he went his way and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. Uh, raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's in Mark chapter 5, verse 38. It says, They came and they come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And he beholdeth a tumult, and many weeping and wailing greatly. And when he was entered in, he saith unto them, Why make ye a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But he, having put them all forth, taketh the father of the child and her mother and them that were with him, and goeth in where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, he saith unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel rose up and walked, for she was twelve years old. And they were amazed straightway with great amazement. Other miracles Jesus does, well, he commissions his apostles to go out and heal people and cast out demons. He then feeds 5,000 people with just a couple loaves and a couple fish. After that, you remember, he sends, there's a big crowd there after the feeding of the 5,000. He sends his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Basically, I'll somehow catch up with you later. Everyone assumes he'll get his own boat and go across the sea. And uh, I'll read that account for you of what happens after he sends the disciples across the sea. When even, and when even was come, the boat was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And seeing them, and seeing them distressed in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking on the sea. And he would have passed by them, but they, when they saw him walking on the sea, supposed that it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. But he straightway spoke with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the boat, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves. For they understood not concerning the loaves, but their heart was hardened. 
And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they were come out of the boat, straightway the people knew him and ran about, ran round about that whole region and began to carry about on their beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And wheresoever he entered into villages or into cities or into the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole he then goes on to feed 4,000 more people um, and eventually we get to one of the key one of the key verses in Mark's account it's in chapter 8 where uh, James and John ask Jesus if they can sit at his right hand when he comes into power and he basically says, no, that is reserved for someone else. And they get into a discussion. Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? And they're, they're saying things like, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some people say you're a prophet. And this is a key verse. It's Mark eight twenty nine. And he asked them, but who say ye that I am? Peter answereth and saith unto them, thou art the Christ. So one of the times Peter was dead on right after he'd seen all these things we have just described some of them he he admits thou art the Christ that's who you are and Jesus says yes that is true um, that's in Mark chapter 8 so I'm going to skip a couple chapters and, and we'll go to chapter 11 and this is really the scene where after his uh, Remarkable ministry in Galilee. He finally is making it back down to Jerusalem before his journey, final journey to the cross. His triumphal entry is there. All the people, Hosanna in the highest, they're bowing down to him. They're laying their coats at his feet. He's riding on a donkey. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All the people are praising this God-man who they have seen all these years doing all these miraculous kind, loving uh, things for people. Um, and just before that, there is um, another discussion with James and John. Uh, and they, um, I can't remember that, anyway, James and John were talking. I can't remember actually if this may have been when they were talking about sitting in his right hand or their mother had asked so anyway, but there's a discussion with James and John. And in Mark chapter 10, they were indignant toward James and John. And it says, 1041, When the ten heard it, they began to be moved with indignation concerning James and John. And Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, uh, Ye know that they who are accounted to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whosoever would become great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever would be first among you shall be servant of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So just before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, I'll read it again. Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. So it's not like he'd, he came to minister to people, not for them to minister unto him, okay? 
He came to minister to them and the ultimate ministry is the last phrase, to give his life a ransom for many. And then Mark describes he's giving his life a ransom for many. He's in Jerusalem. That's where he's going is to the cross. Which leads us to the last two chapters I'm going to read for us. And this is going to be chapter 14, verse 1, all the way through 15, verse uh, 18. And uh, before I read it, though, before I read it, uh, pay attention to the characters in it. And uh, recognize that this is a section where, again, I have this vision of this cloud coming. And what you'll see is, systematically, I think Mark does this. Denial, 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 denial by all these people. Judas, it starts with Judas, the chief priests and the scribes. Uh, the phrase, those who, quote, delivered him into the hands of sinners. The whole council the many giving false testimony, the high priest. Mark says, quote, they all condemned him. You have Peter. You have a crowd. You have Pilate. Roman soldiers. Those who were crucified with him on the cross right next to him condemn him. Sorry. But verse uh, 34, chapter 15, who ultimately condemns him? Who forsakes him? My God, my God, you've forsaken me. So the ultimate servant for us is forsaken by everyone. So I'll try to get through it. Um, it's okay if people cry because it's just a normal emotion, okay? So don't get nervous. But it is a powerful uh, two chapters, especially when you put it in light of what you've just read for the, the whole book that he's done for people. So Isaiah 53, 3, I'll read that before we start. Oh, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Okay. Uh, Mark 14.1. Now, after two days was the feast of the Passover and the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him with subtlety and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest haply there shall be a tumult of the people. And while he was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster cruise of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she brake the cruise and poured it over his head. <clears throat> but there were some that had indignation among themselves, saying, To what purpose hath this waste of the ointment been made? For this ointment might have been sold for above 300 shillings and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor always with you, and whensoever ye will, ye can do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She hath anointed my body beforehand for the burying. And verily I say unto you, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, that also which this woman hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, he that was one of the twelve, went away unto the priests. 
that he might deliver him unto them. And they, when they heard it, were glad, and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently deliver him unto them. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover, his disciples say unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and make ready that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall enter in, say to the master of the house, The teacher saith, Where is my guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will himself show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, and there make ready for us. And the disciples went forth and came into the city, and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when it was evening, he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and were eating, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you shall betray me, even he that eateth with me. They began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And he said unto them, It is one of the twelve, he that dippeth with me in the dish. For the Son of Man goeth, even as it is written of him. But woe unto that man through whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and when he had blessed, he brake it and gave it to them and said, Take ye, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Verily I say unto you, I shall no more drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out unto the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered abroad. Howbeit, after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will I not. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that thou today, even this night, before the cock crow twice, shalt deny me thrice. But he spake exceedingly vehemently, If I must die with thee, I will not deny thee. And in like manner also said they all. And they come unto a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly amazed and sore troubled. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Abide ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass away from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Remove this cup from me, howbeit not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And he again went away and prayed, saying the same words. Okay, he said the same words. I'll read them. Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Remove this cup from me. Howbeit, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And he knew, they knew not what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And straightway, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that is he, take him and lead him away safely. And when he was come, straightway he came to him and saith, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they laid hands on him and took him. But a certain one of them that stood by drew his sword and smote the servant of the high priest and struck off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a robber with swords and staves to seize me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But this is done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth cast about him over his naked body, and they lay hold of him. But he left the linen cloth and fled naked. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and there come together with him all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter had followed him afar off, even within, into the court of the high priest. And he was sitting with the officers and warming himself in the light of the fire, now the chief priests and the whole council sought witness against Jesus to put him to death and found it not. For many bear false witness against him and their witnesses agreed not together. And there stood up certain and bear false witness against him saying, We heard him say, I'll destroy this temple that's made with hands and in three days I will build another made without hands. And not even so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses, which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and saith unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the, right, and the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What further need have we of witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be worthy of death. And some began to spit on him, and to cover his face, and to buffet him, and to say unto him, Prophecy! And the officers received him with blows of their hands. And as Peter was beneath in the court, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And seeing Peter warming himself there, she looked upon him and saith, Thou also wast with the Nazarene, even Jesus. 
but he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And the maid saw him, and began again to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while they sat, they that stood by said to Peter, Of a truth thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. But he began to curse and to swear, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And straightway the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word, how that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Chapter 15. And straightway in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council held a consultation and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him up to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering saith unto him, Thou sayest. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they accuse thee of. But Jesus no more answered anything, insomuch that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he used to release unto them one prisoner, whom they asked of him. And there was one called Barabbas, lying bound with them, they had made insurrection, men who in the insurrection had committed murder. And the multitude went up and began to ask him to do as he was wont to do unto them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that for envy the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the multitude that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate again answered and said unto them, What then shall I do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried exceedingly, Crucify him. And Pilate, wishing to content the multitude, released unto them Barabbas and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away within the court, which is the praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple, and plaiting a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote his head with a reed, and spat upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off from him the purple, put on him his garments, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compel one passing by, Simon of Cyrene, coming from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to go with them, that he might bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And they crucify him and part his garments among them, casting lots upon them that each should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. 
and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucify two robbers, one on his right hand and one on his left. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha! Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. In like manner also the chief priests mocking him among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reproached him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elijah. And one ran, and filling a sponge full of vinegar, put it on a reed, and gave him to drink, saying, Let be, let us see whether Elijah cometh to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood by over against him saw that he so gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was a son of God. The end of the reading. Comments? Pretty powerful, right? The contrast of everybody. I mean, again, I have to emphasize it so much. What Mark's goal here is to show this contrast. Jesus loved people. He loved them. He healed them. He did nothing wrong to anybody. He was perfect, perfect, compassionate, kind, loving person. And he goes to the cross and everybody, us, humanity, everybody, according to God's plan, uh, rejected him. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And I just, I guess I was hoping is a great end to Mark, this reading it large sections like that will impress on us that you know, it really does deserve the title or the, uh, that it gets is Mark showing the suffering servant. He was a servant and he suffered. And the ultimate suffering, obviously, was his death on the cross. And uh, to me, as Tim was teaching through those last two chapters, I just kept seeing over and over again, this person rejects him, this person rejects him, this person is getting darker. And then finally, according to the divine plan, God had to reject him. He, he was forsaken even by God. And it puts into context when he's off alone praying, you know, drops of blood and praying, take this from me. It just puts in context what he's really going through, the humility of it all and the pain. How good it is to think and awesome it is to think that you know in that resurrection and Jesus is alive today and he still makes the blind see and the leper clean and you know the, the paralyzed walk it's awesome 
more so the spiritual truth. Right. He takes dead people and makes us alive Amen. through faith. Amen. Yep. Any other thoughts? Um, if it's okay, we've got a couple minutes. I, I want to read, read a couple more verses from different sections of Scripture um, to sort of prepare us for next week because really I actually had done something similar to this to the youth a couple months ago. Man, I had such a great discussion afterwards about um, humility and Jesus is the example of humility. And then the whole, we all talked about how we are completely unhumble, not humble. What's the word there? Um, prideful. Full of pride. Full of pride. Thank you. Um, so, I, so next week we'll have a lesson on humility and with this as a backdrop. And we'll, we'll keep referring to it. And, you know, humility is giving yourself up for others and seeing reality, spiritual reality of our position of sinners compared to God and how we're lower than everyone else around us. So Jesus demonstrates complete, total, utter humility. And none of us are humble compared to Jesus. But I'm just going to read a couple verses for us and then we'll, we'll leave. Um, this is First Peter 2, verse 20. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what's right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. And then Hebrews 12 talks about the great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles we run the race with endurance set before us. And it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is for us. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Okay, any, any comments, thoughts? I hope you'll all show up next week because uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll be able to share with each other our ideas about uh, what humility really is and where we all really lack humility. Okay, thank you.